0: Welcome to the Law of Startups Podcast. I'm Mike Schneider.
1: And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you very much for being with us uh, today. We are lucky to have in the studio, Joe Oddenter. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So Joe, for those of you who don't, those of you who don't know you, tell, tell us about tell us about what you do and how you came to Seattle and you've been in the tech space a long time.
2: Yeah, I've been in the tech space for a long time. I, I started out 18 years and uh, started on the East Coast uh, in New York and then DC and Boston. And, uh, uh, came out to Seattle to work at McCaw Cellular. Actually, my wife is, uh, from Seattle and, uh, met her in Boston. Uh, she pulled me out here in May. It was sunny, beautiful in May. Uh, and nobody said it's not always like this, but, uh, I found out. So I've been here 26 years. Wow. That's great. Uh, so I had a, I had a tech career. Uh, then I connected with a Harvard professor. I had a, uh, consulting management consulting career, working with companies on, uh, how they get through inflection points and change. And, and now I've started a a CEO network for, for tech entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah. So that's the, that the, the unique spin on that, that you bring is that it's just tech company CEOs.
2: That's correct. So, uh, I, I've been in a, the largest CEO network, uh, called YPO forever. Um, but it's a a membership uh, of companies. Most of them are low-tech family businesses. So if you're in a high-tech business, you're getting rounds of capital, Uh, you've got an outside board, you may have VCs. It's just a very different uh, set of issues you're dealing with. Uh, There is no such network that exists that's uh, broad in any way. So that uh, was something I thought was really needed.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great for the Seattle community. As a whole, and you got off to a break start. You already, you already have how many different groups do you already have set up?
2: Well, let's see. Uh, there's ten groups. Uh, I mean, there's ten uh, CEOs in the first group. Okay. Uh, we have a second group that's forming. Um, really interesting. Almost all the CEOs are in the news. They've raised significant capital. I think on the average, it's been about twenty million in capital, and they're scaling their businesses. So it's really not for startups because startups, you know, the the churn is too big. And so you need continuity in a group. And so you want to be with, um, CEOs that, you know, are going to be around and the issues of scaling are much different than the startup issues. So why, so
0: your groups are specific. So, so with a CEO uh, becomes involved in your organization, they get teamed up with other CEOs to become kind of a a, a specific group. Is that how you, how it works?
2: Yes. So, uh, 10 to 12 CEOs per group. Uh, They'll get together once a month for uh, 10 months. Uh, In between there, there's an online platform uh, that we use so that they can communicate with each other, ask each other questions, help each other uh, with their operational issues, and also connect with the tech community, whether it's for money or for talent or in other ways.
0: That's funny. It kind of reminds me of um, when we when we first had kids, my wife and I. We we were part of a thing uh, here in Seattle called Peps. I don't know if it's a nationwide thing. Do you ever hear about that, Joe? Do you know Peps? It's, I don't it's, know uh, Peps. So it's a uh, it's it sounds like the equivalent of the of your of your organization, but for new parents, basically they get new parents within a particular area sign up and they put about ten. Uh, ten parents, ten groups of parents together, and then they meet every week for ten weeks, and they just to talk about being a new parent. And then afterwards, they everybody kind of goes their separate ways, but you kind of all remain in contact. And uh, um, yeah, it's it, it was a good way to meet other parents and learn about how to be a parent. I imagine it'd be a great way to learn uh, from other CEOs. Uh,
2: yeah, I didn't. I could have used the uh, the PEP network when I was raising my kids. They're a little bit older now. Um, but you're, you're right. Like there's no, uh, guidebook for how to raise your kids really. So you have to figure out, you know, how do you do it? And others who are figuring it out at the same time, it's good yeah, to get everybody
0: together. at these, uh, at these meetings is, I imagine it, I don't know, I guess it depends on what stage your CEO's at, but, um, you know, you go to these meetings and, and, uh, everybody's got a newborn. And so it's just a, a room full of like exhausted people that are just like <laughs> burned out. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> imagine depending on what stage the the tech company is in, the CEOs might be a similar in a similar boat, just both all exhausted from from driving uh driving their companies.
2: I would say they're all out. You know, they're uh they went past uh fifth gear and now they're in whatever the next gear is. Uh so yeah, between the business and their personal life, it's it's really, really busy. You know, the interesting thing is uh you know this is business first but you always get into personal issues cuz it can affect your leadership your you know performance on the job your ability to lead a company so you know it's there's some, it's it's not a support network it's a business tech network uh but you'll you'll just by its very nature get into you know personal issues and things that can be distracting
1: right so you help the so you help kind of guide the discussions? How did the, give me an example of how the monthly meetings go.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, f- the first thing that we'll do in a, in a monthly meeting is just get updates. So I have three minutes, what's going on, high, low, personal, family, business. Um, and then we'll do a combination of a couple of things. One is a deep dive presentation uh, into a company. So it'll almost like an investor presentation. So you go through the investor presentation And then you'll identify one key issue that you really want input on. And you'll describe the background on that issue, kind of what the current state is, and then um, what uh, the options are you're considering. And then there's a way to kind of get get feedback. So that's one kind of piece of what we do. The second piece of what we do is called shared learning. Um, And so instead of uh, sitting there and getting speakers, because I, I actually uh, will bring in speakers on topics where people really want to deep dive into those uh, topics. But for the most part, like uh, the first meeting, we said, all right, let's just talk about culture. Um, we know that culture can drive performance ex- extremely well. Who's been you know proactive about building their culture? Uh, what did you do that worked? What did you do that didn't work? Uh, you know, what are your lessons learned? And so if you go through that kind of shared learning with 10 CEOs who have, you know, wrestled with it, some may actually not have been proactive. We had one guy in the group who, uh, is one of the best companies to work for in Seattle, you know, growing very, very fast. And he's writing a book about culture. So he's, he really, really dove deep and it's all practical.
1: That's great. Uh, well, so that's going to be fun to read, um, I you know it's hard to it's always so hard to predict when that book might be done right because books take forever unless you <laughs> unless you are unless you're like unless you're like you and you can write them in like two months or something. But. Well,
2: this is less <laughs> a book and and more about uh you know they'll just come in and talk about their live experiences. Yeah, now, it could end up being a book. Yeah. At the end of a, a year or two, we'll have enough uh, interesting stories.
1: Yeah, yeah, but but someone is writing a book about culture though. Someone in your group is writing a book about culture and how. Yeah, God yeah, it. oh
2: yeah, that book. That uh, yes, it's coming out and it's. Uh, the kinds of things he did to build this best company to work for was just, it's just spectacular. It's everything from, you know, how do you run a meeting right? and how do you really bring values to life in your company in a way that, you know, drives your hiring practices, drives your uh, way you interact with your customers, with your people. It's really, really, Uh, A great, a great resource.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to reading that. I I suppose you you can't tell us who's writing it, but when it please keep us posted. Like when it comes out, I'd like to absolutely to read it. That sounds really. Hey, so you wrote a really uh, a tech Mike uh, Joe wrote this. He he worked on a kind of a tech ecosystem study with uh, University of Washington uh, students, and that was a pretty well received and pretty thick document. And that's something people think about a lot in Seattle. They like, about, well, hey, you know, how can we make our city a better city for tech
2: companies and the ecosystem?
1: So tell us, you, you must have had, come away with some ideas.
2: <laughs> well, it was really interesting. So when I, the, the professor I work with at Harvard Business School was named John Cotter. When I left uh, to start my own company, I started by advising CEOs that were scaling their business. And I found that I wanted to get them to the best lawyers and the best patent attorneys and uh, outsource CFOs or whatever their need was. Um, And I thought, well, you know, really, we ought to do this uh, in a very organized way. So I went to the University of Washington Foster School, and I proposed that we talk to all of the key financial people in tech. So the super angels that you're well aware of, the VCs, uh, the strategics ahead of of the angel networks. And we asked them, where do they source their deals? Where do their deals go? And who are their set of advisors that they they use and they propose for their companies? And out of that, we got a sense of what's going on in the uh, tech ecosystem. We published it for entrepreneurs who are trying to get into the right networks and be with the right advisors, uh, or get to the right money quicker. Um, and that's the way it started. Uh, and then I'm, I was looking at kind of, uh, an evolving startup ecosystem, right? So, uh, over the years we've had incubators and accelerators and angel networks come up. And then I'm, was looking at, uh, all right, what happens once you get your money, where, who's helping you? And you're scaling your business. That's, that's where the idea actually came for the iInnovate uh, Leadership Network. So uh, I learned quite a few things. I, I would say there are 10 or 12 uh, lawyers, for instance, that really are um, the driving force in doing most of the deals in town. Uh, Joe, you're you know, one of those. that. And, and again, this came out of talking to the money people. And asking them who do they recommend, uh, so that that was interesting because it's not like there's a hundred lawyers, uh, which I would expect it more like fifty or hundred lawyers, uh, but there's ten that really ten or twelve that really drive things. Uh, learned that there's a really robust innovation uh, ecosystem in Seattle. So University of Washington is the fourth uh, most innovative university in the country as measured by Reuters and. Um, they get over a billion dollars from the government to, uh, invest in innovation. A lot of that's in life sciences, right? We've got these two amazing companies in Microsoft and Amazon. They're two of the top 10, uh, top investors in R and D, uh, in the, in the world. So we have two of the top 10 and then, um, you know, we have incredible healthcare system here where, uh, there's investments uh, by the healthcare community, so yeah, that's robust. The startup ecosystem is evolving. It's I would say uh, there was a study by the Kauffman Foundation that there that we kind of ranked 20 out of out of uh, 40 top uh, communities with, within Seattle. So we got a lot of room to improve there.
1: Right. So the big the big sort of empty spots when you did your study, what were the? Did you find some kind of big spots where we didn't have things that other communities
2: had that stood out. Uh, well, we're doing a lot to fill those gaps, uh, but I would say uh, biggest gap we've got, um, and there's a debate on both sides, is is on the money side. Right. So there's a big question about why do we have so few VCs in town? You look at Boston; they got eighty venture capital firms. Wow, zero, 80? 80. 80. <laughs> now we technically have fifteen, but right. there's you know a number of world class, but the number of world-class VC firms you can count on one hand, right? Yeah. Uh, in Seattle, so so why is that the case, right? And why aren't we spawning more more uh, uh, venture capital and growth capital for early stage companies? So that's one big gap. Right. The other big gap, and this is the other side of the debate, is why aren't more entrepreneurs spinning out and starting companies? Um, and they're related, th- though. And they're related because you can't you can't leave your your Job as a software dev
1: at, you know, Amazon or wherever. Yeah, most the really good software developers are making a lot of money, and like the idea of like doing a startup and then, especially if if it's going to be hard to get funding, that's hard, right?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a catch twenty two, and consequently, we haven't been able to get at this number. Certain entrepreneurs. Moved down to the Bay Area to start their companies. Right. And it's not a small number, but I don't know what it it, it exactly is. But your point is great because, uh, yep. you know, the top, the people you would think would be the entrepreneurs are staying with Amazon or Microsoft. And now people think we have a great startup community because all of these companies are coming up from Silicon Valley, Google and Facebook and right. Snap Snapchat, and, yeah. yeah. But what's really happening is they're offering great interesting opportunities for tech. And so people don't want to leave. They got for a sure. good job and for sure. So, yeah. No,
1: I've seen some of the some of the some of the offers. Um, and they're astoundingly rich offers for yeah. good software developers.
2: So CATS twenty two, but you would you would think that uh people will make their money at some of these bigger companies and then go out and, you know, have an idea and go for it. Right. So Mike, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, there's a there's a certain um, let's hope I would like to think there's like a certain entrepreneurial mindset that's hard to break, and the, the guys that will will succeed um, tend to have that that bug um, that working for a, a big company uh, won't satisfy. But I guess the the problem would be those guys leave their their jobs and start companies, but can't find talent because the, the they need people that don't necessarily have the entrepreneurial bug to come work for them. Somebody that's that's sort of in between that has the the risk tolerance to work for a startup, but isn't necessarily the one who who can't uh, who's driven to do his own thing or her her own thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a problem because Amazon is big, right? If Amazon's sucking up all the tech talent, um, you know, at this point, the people that are joining Amazon, you know, unless Amazon just continues to to blow away you know, their previous, uh, you know, their their previous stock price as they go up. I mean, it's unlikely that people that are joining Amazon right now as a software engineer are going to somehow see some massive event where they get to cash out and, and, uh, walk away millionaires. Um, it's a little too, I don't know, correct me if, if you think I'm wrong about that, but I mean, it's a little too late in their life cycle for people to come in and, and walk away, uh, you know, without ever having to work again or or be able to take their money and parlay it into something else. Um, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Same thing with Microsoft, right? Like Microsoft isn't spitting out millionaires anymore. Um, I,
1: I, I think that there's some people who just make really good livings at those companies. Yeah. And that you might be right at the sort of maturity level of the companies and like, you're not going to get like a, I mean, if you joined Microsoft and, you know, 86 or 87 or 88 89 90 or or earlier you you've gotten a great ride just being there right um
0: yeah and then and then you know there's that wave of of uh, entrepreneurship that happened once all those people you know were basically uh, unemployable right like it's at some point if you if you're if you're part of a juggernaut like that and you get cashed out and you become wealthy and you have that but they have that right um, entrepreneurial bug, like you're never going to, you're not going to go back to your nine to five job. You're going to want to build something yourself. Or,
2: well, that's um, the cycle, yeah. right? You hope uh, you hope the people that do cash out, have a big win, go right back in right. and, and mm-hmm. invest in other entrepreneurs. And that's what's happened in Silicon Valley. Talent wise, I mean, all these firms are coming up from Silicon Valley because they want to poach talent from up here. So the talent is actually here. And I think it's... It's just, we're not quite in that cycle yet. Maybe there's some things that the government can do to create incentives that would uh, help investors invest in early stage companies, make it easier to go out and start. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a big challenge. And I actually think, you know, Seattle as, as a community has a culture in and of itself that's somewhat risk averse. Um, you know, if you go back and you look at the, the core founding of Seattle in the lumber uh, timber business and then Boeing and, and that spawned kind of engineering and uh, uh, aerospace companies. But it's generally been kind of blue collar jobs. Uh, people work for Boeing for a very, very long time. And so there is kind of an undercurrent of from the investment standpoint and even from the entrepreneur standpoint that, Okay, if you go out and start your company and you're not successful, uh, we got long memories. You know, your ability to go out and do it again. It's not like Silicon Valley. Go and fail, learn, and then be successful the next time. I don't think we have that same culture, but we're getting there. We're, we're, we're improving. I think UW's in the middle of a lot of good things that are going on. And, uh, you know, if people can come out of school, if UW can you know, continue to advance, kind of like Stanford, play the role that Stanford is in Silicon Valley, uh, really make a connection between uh, entrepreneurs or young students in school, the investment community uh, in Seattle and the companies in Seattle, Uh, you know, I think they can play a big role in helping that entrepreneurial climate in Seattle be successful. So, Joe, how many books have you written? Well, I've written two and a half.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so so we've had had quite a few authors on the show. And I'm always curious. um, I always like to hear about, well, how people go about the process of writing a book.
2: Yeah, well, the first, so I had this uh, idea between uh, my tech career and then this management consulting work with John Cotter, I really was interested in leadership. And I wrote down a list of twenty-five names of leaders, business leaders I'd like to talk to, because they not had only have grown great companies, they had done something with their leadership to change the world in a positive way. So I wanted to see what the trends are. Was there commonality in how they approached it or whatever? So uh, it really was intended to be a study. And I went back to Harvard Business School. I got a professor to support me to get access to these people. This is like uh, Gates and Sandy Weil and Les Wexner and Milken and, um, and people I wouldn't have had access to. So they got me access and I recorded all of these interviews. And the stories were absolutely incredible. So as I'm listening to the stories, I go, you know, I think I could write a book. Uh, it wasn't my intent. And then I really liked the writing process. So, uh, so the first book was called Beyond Success. And the approach I took was, all right, I'm a framework guy. So what is the framework for how these very ultra successful people think about leadership in four quadrants? They're uh, personal, uh, professional, philanthropic, and family. So how do they take leadership in all areas, and then you know how do you you know what what's the commonality? What what did they where did they actually go wrong frequently? Where they you know you can kind of have the mountains where they did things right, the valleys where things just didn't go right, and then kind of how did they hit on on something they did well? I actually put together a hundred and ten page PowerPoint presentation um, with. The stories and where they go, the points I wanted to make. Huh. And that became, became the book. And so that was a really quite significant uh, uh, piece of work. The second book is when I was working with Cotter. Cotter's written 20 books. Uh, he's like Jim Collins in, in, in organizations and how they change. And um, his great book was Leading Change. Okay. And Leading Change was a process that he had observed in companies that had led great changes like IBM and, um, through those, through the, through their great changes. And then we built a management consulting firm to implement his, um, his process. And through that, we modified the process and came up with a book called accelerate XLR eight. So I helped to kind of, uh, research, provide input, and actually uh, write pieces of that book. So that's the half. Huh. And then as I was getting interested in innovation, and I was I, I wrote my latest book just came out uh, uh, four months ago called I Innovate. Yeah. and Got a copy I, right here. Uh, <laughs> and that was really an intent to have people very easily in an hour and a half dip in their toe and understand what's the innovation journey um and uh if you're in school for instance you're thinking about uh going into the tech industry okay what does that look like and so it's a, it truly is a story about a woman who starts a software company that's the uh nerve center for safety for the self-driving car so think of any situation sensors and software uh they'll keep you safe and uh and how did she innovate how did she go through starting her company growing it. It then became public and, and world-class. And you get a sense through uh, all of these challenges she faces along the way about the innovation journey and what it's like. So uh, it's it's a dip in your toe. It's also for people who may have, you know, I, I always, I said it's for millennials and baby boomers because either you're uh, a millennial and and you're you want to go into it or you're a baby boomer and you really want to understand it but you you don't want to get into the technical details so this is a story that just gives you a huh. sense of it
1: it uh, sounds really fun um so the first book you were, you wrote the beyond success book um that reminds me of uh i've I've been reading uh uh tim ferriss's book tools of the titans it sounds kind of similar in a sense mm. tim just went around and talked to a bunch of people who were who had a lot of success and tried to glean from them hey what how do you think about the world and what do you do each day and Tell me some of the things
2: you do, because so I can try them out on myself and see if they work. <laughs> no, it's it, it definitely and um and it it is kind of life lessons. Um, some of the life lessons are not relevant; they're for the billionaires, but there are a lot of life lessons uh, that you can apply to your personal life. You're absolutely right. And uh, you know, if I had to do it again, it would be three books. One book would be on. How you give back and how you give back effectively, and one that fulfills you hmm. and actually makes makes change. The second would be, how do you deal with family enterprises and and how do you uh, support your kids, especially if you have uh, financial means? How if you have a family enterprise which is still drives the economy in, in uh, the U.S. Yeah, how do you make sure that you don't create problems within your family? Uh, because of people wanting uh, checks or um, dividends from their business or other issues, who's going to take over the business succession. And so those would be two books. Uh, And then uh, the third book would be just about uh, self and fulfillment, you know, mind, body, spirit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've even thought about just breaking it into three because when you put it all together, I mean, as an individual, you're you're thinking about all these things, right? So that's why I put it together. But I think it would be very relevant for people if you pulled their part.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, huh? So, so you're can we go back to your tech CEO group a little bit? Yeah. So the group, um, it, to, if people want to reach out to you, they can just find find you on the internet. Just search for probably the best way to search for you is just Randall J. Ottinger is probably the best way to find you on the internet. And you'll find Joe's books. If you just Google them, I think you'll find probably your email address too. But the idea is just, if you're a tech company CEO, you want a peer group of other tech company CEOs, um, reach out to you by email. Uh, sort of the dividing line is, hey, you can't, you, you, your startup has to have some, some wind in the sales, some, you know, un, you know it's not good. I mean, Mike and I, our software as a service business—we just started, which we, you know, may be a little too nascent or something. I, you know, it has to, it has to have some substantiality to it to to really yeah, make sense for the group. Yeah,
2: if it's you know, if you have a peer network, you're meeting monthly, and and yeah, you know, people uh, are typically in these networks. that can be in for their for their life. Yeah, uh, you don't want too much turnover because if half the people are not there. The next month, then it you don't have any continuity. Sure, but but
1: the guy who sells his business and then rolls out of the CEO role, what are you going to do with him or her? Are we going to keep? Him we, around? we have
2: one of those, uh, and uh, his intent is to go right back in. Okay. So what what we'll do is go, you know, help him uh support him during the transition. Yeah. My guess is it wouldn't be more than a couple months and he'll be back in it again. Wow, he's
1: so, gonna go go back in that fast.
2: Yeah. Oh uh, he's a really, really dynamic, you know, uh serial entrepreneur already. Yeah. Uh and the best way to reach me uh, probably is just to go to iinnovate network dot com. Iinnovate network.com. Iinnovate network. So two I's two ends. And then, uh, yeah, our Joe Ottinger uh, on LinkedIn. So, Mike, I feel like I'm hogging the conversation
1: here.
0: No, not at all. This has been great. I'm I've, I've, uh, I'm sucking it all in. This is uh, so, good good information. So, I, I, so, I really love hearing about uh, how people, uh, you know, organize and, and learn from each other. And um, so, it's been a great conversation. Thanks for being on. One
1: one thing I didn't I didn't quite I uh, kind of piece I missed I would love it so you like you said you like the writing process so how does that look for you do you do you do you follow like the uh Bukowski method and don't you don't start until 6 18 p.m every night uh, <laughs> how do you how do you how do you do, do you wake up at 5 a.m or 4 a.m I mean, different writers are different
2: I I find that I can't I have to dedicate a significant amount of time like three or four hours no like uh 10 hours okay I can hours. I can sit down for ten hours and then I'll make progress. Okay. And I have this uh, gene that's in my family that's this hyper focused gene. Huh. So I can sit there, not move, not eat, you know, and wow. just figure it that's out. That's a
0: great gene. Where do I get where do I get one of those? Uh,
2: <laughs> no, no, it's got its downfalls because, like, uh, you know, you cannot know anything that's going on around you while you're doing that, right? It's like hyper focused. So uh
1: ten hours Wow. that's a good chunk of time yeah oh, and the Tim the Tim I've heard Tim Ferris say that he needs like uh you know like I think he said like three to four hours of uninterrupted just like you really need a you really need a good block of uninterrupted time, I think to really devote the effort to write something yeah, it's hard to do it sporadically in fifteen minute chunks or twenty minute chunks
2: it doesn't work and and, and I ideally like to string two or three days together, so okay, you know. 10 10 10 like friday saturday sunday boom and you you get a lot done and the hardest thing for me is actually the outline for the book in the first place right what how is it it's like a puzzle it's like a jigsaw how do you put it together in a logical way so as a reader it's taking you along the story and you get something out of it and the first book which was really much more substantial this uh, like i said i innovate is a uh, hour and a half read. The first book was substantial, but, you know, I made sure that, you know, you got the point up front. You had a kind of summary piece in the, in the end that, you know, if you're a uh, ADD, you can just go to the beginning and end of each chapter and you can get most of it. Okay. Um, so I, I find that people read business books f- in different ways. Um, uh, and, I'm kind of the ADD type. Just get me to the point, right? And uh, others really like the stories and support and et cetera. So, right? Yeah,
1: it's funny. I I I, I struggle a lot. I try to I'm constantly trying to write, but it's just a struggle. So it's 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 interesting for me to hear other people talk about how they do it.
2: Oh, I got to tell you one thing um, <laughs> that is fantastic is publishing. Yeah. So the first book got published by McGraw Hill. Yeah. So that that whole but the second book. I self-published through Amazon. It's uh, it's a company called CreateSpace. Yeah. Do you know CreateSpace? Yeah, yeah. So it's like everything you get from a major publisher, you get uh, um, a line item editor, uh, a senior editor, uh, creative for your book. You get um, uh, online marketing support, and it's all for like a couple thousand bucks. Wow. I think CreateSpace
1: added those features. I helped a a friend publish, self-published book maybe... Gosh,
2: maybe 10 years ago now. And I don't remember those features. That must be Those must be new. I, I don't know. And they have a dashboard. So you absolutely know what you need to provide, what they need to provide. Wow. All your uh, files are stored. And this isn't an ad for CreateSpace, but I just found it so yeah. easy uh, on the publishing side. Right. That's the Amazon subsidiary company. Yes. And Amazon had, bought them. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had a, fr- I had a friend who was working in, in, in the group that was trying to make things easier for authors with, with the garden self publishing. And, uh, and he had done like a cool thing with his daughter. They had published like a, uh, some recipe. They had published a recipe book together just for fun, like a father daughter fun thing. And they were actually selling quite a few copies.
2: Yeah. Which is, you know, you cool. know, uh, I think the, the best books are the ones that tap into, you know, the simple things for right. people. The, the most, right. uh, read books. Uh, and I, you know, I write because I'm interested in an area, and I find that then people who are also interested in that area, uh, I'm kind of raising my hand and going, this is my area of interest. Right. Leadership is an area of interest. Innovation is an area of interest. And then people who are interested in that can reach out to me. Right. It's like I just sent up, uh, uh, you know, my radar is up, and if you're you're, uh, in the same signal, you'll come and uh, and contact me. (laughs) Well, that's actually – I mean, that's actually – one of the I mean Mike and I've kicked around a number of different theories for why
1: we do this podcast but one of the, one of the theories is that well it just you, you learn something from people you help promote you know what people are doing and uh, you help you help people basically listen to what other people are doing and learn from them in a, in a way that's pretty easy to digest maybe um, but anyway it's 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 fun. I, I
2: love the fact that you do this podcast and um and it's, it's really a commitment. You and Mike, you, you have to commit to this. You do it every week, don't you? Every week,
1: you? yeah. Week in, week out. Yeah, we're, 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 yeah. we're rolling towards our 100th. We're
0: almost at 100 episodes. That's that's a pretty good milestone for us, I think. That, I'm, that's I'm, I'm phenomenal. To that.
1: Although, Mike, I noticed we didn't have like an episode 66 or something. When they, we oh, still- do
0: we miss one? Like we somehow skipped the numbering? I'll have to yeah. double check. <laughs> that's yeah. an easy way to get to 100 if you just like. <laughs> You know, label the, skip label the episodes. The, skip of,
2: forty through sixty. <laughs> we should we should
0: have we should have started at a hundred.
2: Yeah, exactly. You, like you do it with the check, check. Right. Back, right. Know.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's been good. I think it's the same. The same logic applies to to um to what you talked about with writing. I mean, we just like to be part of the community and and contribute into the conversation and and like you said, it's a way of kind of uh putting a flare up and saying, you know, hey, we we love talking to people that t- like to talk about the stuff we like to talk about, and um yeah, it's a, it's a great way to um. To explore that and, and do it in a way that other people can enjoy. So hopefully people are enjoying the, the podcast.
2: Well, it's it's quite a bit of fun to to be here and talk to you guys, uh, and I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Oh, for sure. So <laughs> folks, if you if you want to get a hold of uh, Joe, yeah, search for iinnovate network network, network dot com. Dot com, or just type in you know Randall J Ottinger on Google and you'll find him. And uh, he's written some great books, so uh, check him out. And uh, thank you for being with us today.
0: Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you all next week.